Good evening, everyone, and welcome to tonight's episode of Hey Sister. Hey Sister, how are you doing? Hey Sister, doing well. I um, I was happy that today was a productive but lazy day. All right. Uh, Hey, I would say the same. I looked up and I was like, wait a minute. It's time for us to get ready to go live tonight. So, um, and we are so excited to welcome our very special guest tonight. One of our beautiful sorors, beautiful inside and out, and and really mostly just in spirit as a human being. I I shared that with her before we came on, so we're not going to have no tears over that, okay? Uh, Sora Amanda Wilson. Hey, Amanda, how you doing this evening? Hey, sisters. Doing well. Well, I too had a pretty good day um, with my my teenager. We did a, a makeup class today. Oh, okay, okay, all right, very nice. That was a perfect day to do our makeup class because I'll be on today. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, we have one of our super fans who's already tuned in, uh, Jody. Hey, Jody, how are you? We're so happy to have you tuned in with us tonight. Now, we're going to switch it up tonight because, you know, normally in typical Hey Sister fashion, we start off with some hot topics, but we are like, these hot topics are not even worth talking about tonight. <laughs> the world is, hot. <laughs> they're not even that hot. They are not that hot. You know, there's a lot of um, trauma-informed behavior that's happening out here in the world right now. And so what we will say to you all, we know that May was Mental Health Awareness Month and May has passed us, but it's never not a good day to get you some mental health Okay. (laughs) And Amanda, you know, since you are by training a mental health counselor, if you would just for a moment, just talk about, um, you know, the importance of mental health, and then that'll start like tee us up into your story and why you're here today. Sure. Uh, So, so important. We are just experiencing so much, not just on our hot topics, but in society as a whole, we are hurt. We have been through so much just in the last couple years alone. Um, There has, I know we are going to talk about some grief and loss today um, for my specific situation, but we have had so much loss as a people. Um, And, you know, I know many people that I know have lost someone in the last couple of years. We're all grieving and hurt and it's okay to seek help <laughs> for um, it, it. It's it's very important for us to be mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually sound and stable and healthy. And that's why um, we're hurt people because hurt people hurt people. And so if we don't get ourselves stable and healthy, which, you know, starts here, I'm a firm believer in, in your mind to, you know, your mind is the center of control for you. You can talk yourself into things. Y'all know you can talk yourself into something and you can talk yourself out of something. Your mind is so powerful. Um, so feed it good things uh, and and positive things and what you believe uh, your your beliefs become you know what you say what you're thinking becomes what you're saying what you're saying becomes what you're doing and what you do starts becoming habits so you know get the 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 good thoughts the positive thoughts and and that's mental health is important get 
help if you, you know, need it. And quite frankly, I think everybody needs it, you know, like we all could use some, um, some therapy, some good support system. And, you know, now if you're afraid of therapy, get a coach, you know, get, it, it's all, you know, it's all support, uh, get a support group. Um, it's all very helpful for your mental well-being. Absolutely. Well, you said something so powerful there about our mind is the center of control. See, we like to think our emotions are these invisible things that we have no control over, but that is not true because as long as you have a functioning human brain, you can't gain back control over your life. We have some shouts out to you. Um, say we love you, Amanda. Um, love you, sis. So um, we got some folks already tuning in. And so we want to ask that you, hey, go ahead, like this episode share it with someone text your friend and say hey here's the link join us tonight and join the conversation in the comments that's where we have our our most hearty dialogue comes from the conversation in the comments as we yep. as we talk with one another tonight on hey sister now you are not new to hey sister because we did a special episode uh hbcu episode mm -hmm. a few years ago so yep. you're not new to this so we want you to sit back and relax um <laughs> i've and... never been by myself though we were kind of you know <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, we're going to relax and, and get into it. And but we want to talk about your love story. So on Friday, it marked the um, one year anniversary of the transition of your husband, Ike, um, who, like I said, you, you two just, if anybody was watching, we're a phenomenal couple. And so I want you to share with us about your love story, about you and I, how you came to be. How we came to be. Well, our love story is my favorite. <laughs> so we met in graduate school um, at Troy University, getting our master's in counseling and psychology. Uh, and we met in our very first class. And uh, of course, he Ike was the center of attention anywhere, um, and he loved to get reactions out of people. So he would just say silly things um, and be go against the grain because he wanted everyone to be, you know, reacting. And he loved a good argument. So um, that was him in our very first class. So very first class, very first day, um, we, you know, started chatting. Uh, and we decided, I think it was the first day, if not the first day, had to be like the second day that we had to partner up for projects. And we um, realized that we both worked the same profession. So we both were child protective investigators with the Department of Children and Family. But, but we didn't know each other at work because we lit, worked in two different counties. So it's interesting because people who then knew us at work to be a married couple thought that we hooked up at work, you know, but um, we actually met at school. And so we thought, and as a child protective investigator, if anybody knows anything about working with DCF as a CPI, uh, your hours are crazy. And we both were crazy enough to do this graduate program where you were there all night, Friday night, all day, Saturday, all day, Sunday. That was the graduate program because we couldn't, you know, we were professionals. Um, so we're like, 
if we're going to do a project, we definitely can't do it with regular nine to five people because we're going to be meeting all outside of crazy hours. And we understood like I could get called out to a case at any point and I might not I might be a shaky partner, you know. So we're like, we got to you know, we got to be partners because we understand one another's schedule already. Uh, so that was that. And then after our first class, we were like, hey, you want to take which classes are you taking next? Let's take. So we agreed we were going to take our classes together. Our next classes were, you know, we tried to get through them as quickly as possible. Our next classes were offered in Leesburg, not even in Winter Park. As we were going to Winter Park campus. I was like, I don't know where Leesburg is. What is that? He's like, don't worry, just follow me. You know, so I would just follow him to class, you know, we'd meet up and I'd follow him. And so our relationship just grew from being graduate study, um, graduate buddies in, in grad college. Um, and, you know, we it's so weird because it just naturally grew out of our friendship. And my friends tease me to this day because they, you know, watching, they're like watching this relationship bloom. And I'm like, he's just my friend. He's my grad school friend, you know? I'm like, no. And then one day he like proposes to me. They're like, okay, so you go from friends to getting married, you know? And I'm like, and we, Ike and I used to just be like, it's just so easy. Our relationship was so easy and just like we naturally grew together. Uh, so, I mean, oftentimes you'd be like, oh, why do people say relationships are so hard? Like it's super easy. You know, we definitely got to our hard parts. Don't, don't worry. It got there. But, uh, you know, like we grew quickly um, uh, in the beginning. We met in 2006 we got engaged in 2008 and then got married in 2009. Um, and that year getting married, we were planning our wedding. We bought our house, this house that I'm sitting in now, um, established our foundation. You know, we had Amaya first and then had Isaiah, our son, um, next. And, um, I think, I mean, that's that. We got married in 2009. Um, and yeah, our, you know, I, that's one thing that I, you know, when you say till death, do you part? I'm so grateful that he truly had, you know, his eternal love. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And I think, you know, hearing, that orientation, you know, um, lets people know about just about how special he was as well and how special you two were um, together. Um, so one of the things we wanted to then get into. Wait, was, I, let me tell you about how he proposed to me because I didn't mention. Okay, come on, he, tell us, girl. He broke know. up with me when I told you about he likes to get reactions, you know, he broke up with me and was like it was at the end of our grad school. So two years later, right, about 2008. Um, and it was like stressful time. So it was a little bit tense, you know, and we were a little bit stressed out and and kind of, you know, we even when we disagreed or would argue or whatever, it was never too big. It was just disagreeing, you know. And so he's like, oh, we're all stressed out and tense. Let's do something this weekend after our finals. And I'm like, OK, he's like, what do you want to do? I'm like, let's just go play basketball because I'm like athletic. And he's like, no, we're not going to. I'm like, well, you asked me what I want to do. So then he planned this whole nice evening where we went to this restaurant. 
Um, it's, it was Cafe Tutu Tango. We had never been there. And so we went to like that for our first first time. And he did all this whole thing where we did for our first times. Right. And then he took me to and I didn't realize we he just we started talking about, you know, all the things and our first blah, blah, blah. And so he took me to the place where we first had kind of like our first date. We, it was a park near our grad school. And he's like, oh, man, we missed the exit home. You want to just go to the park? I'm like, OK. So we start walking around. So we're at the first place. We first met. He's like, oh, yeah, times are just too rough right now. And it's so tense. Like, I know we're meant to be together forever. But here, uh, it's just not now. We need a break for now. And then he broke up with me and gave me a promise ring. He's like, here, take this promise ring. I'm like, are you kidding me? We're not in high school. I'm not taking a promise ring. I was so mad. I was crying. Like, take me home right now. So he's like, okay. We had to stop at his house because I dropped my car at his house. And we went, you know, rode in his car together. And then when I got to his house, he's like, oh, I was like, let me go get my stuff out of your house. So we go upstairs to his third story apartment. And then it was all like roses everywhere and cake and flowers and um, champagne. And I'm like, so confused. And then he actually pulls out a real ring and proposes. I'm like, is he kidding me after I'm like crying, devastated the whole <laughs> way home? Like, who does that? So yes, that was Ike in a nutshell. He just had to like, be totally different and do things like that. So yes, that was us and our life. And that's, <laughs> that's pretty much how life was like, he would just have to get me aroused and just you know. Sister, what you think about that? How would you have handled that? <laughs> you would have been like, no, I'm not marrying you. <laughs> well, I mean, at least it sounds like at least he came through at, at, at the end. <laughs> and, and it didn't linger. Like, you know, he didn't let you go home and then decide to try to plan it the True. next day. It was all in one in the span of a few Brother hours. had a plan. <laughs> he had a plan. I like it. I like it. <laughs> Definitely memorable. Definitely. Like, yeah, definitely. Some, and then I had two rings, two pretty rings, you know, so I was like, OK. <laughs> so you got engaged in 2008, mm -hmm. um, married soon after, started mm -hmm. your family mm -hmm. and then kind of midway in here. Mm -hmm. Boom, you get this diagnosis. And at first it was like, you know, tell us what was happening. What was going on? Because um, yeah. Ike was very athletic, very mm -hmm. active. Mm -hmm. He was very involved as a coach and with mm -hmm. youth sports and stuff like that. Very well known around the community. So mm -hmm. when you when when he started not mm, just feeling so good, what mm -hmm. was happening? Yeah. So in 2000. Seven. I'll go back a little bit because we were together at that time um, before we got married. He would be feeling, you know, in so much pain. He'd be doubled over um, in pain. And um, and we would, you know, we were going, getting, trying to figure out what was going on with him. He would be bleeding in some world. I'm like, something's wrong. And, you know, and we would go everywhere and, you know, nobody could figure out anything. Um, and I'm like, you're about, you're not supposed to be feeling this way. Like something's wrong. So finally they found a tumor in his stomach, took it out. Um, and it was said to be, you know, benign, which it was at the time and, and things were okay. Um, so he would have to get it checked every, you know, um, 
so often after 2007. Um, so he started to feel bad again around 2013 and getting pain again. And again, we were going through doctor after doctor after doctor. And no, no, can't find anything, don't know what's going on. And it's same thing, you know, he would be, you know, to where he would have blood in his stool and things like that. And it's like something's not right. And finally, a GI doctor um, found in his liver um, that because they they started to find all kinds of oh we think you have gallstones oh we you know we think you have this that that and so finally um, they diagnosed him in 2014 so the kids were you know just a, my son was just three and, and Amaya five and um, and so it essentially um, you know came from his stomach and and metastasized to his liver. And so in 2014, there were 14 or no, they removed 14 tumors from his liver, but couldn't remove all of them because of where they were placed. You know, sometimes um, you can't take it all out. So since 2014, um, he you know, just kind of battled treatment after treatment. Their their initial um, guidance was to, you know, resect and take the tumors out of his liver because of how much they have spread. And so from there, just, you know, treatment after treatment. He never wanted to do chemotherapy from the beginning uh, because he, you know, felt like chemo just kind of killed all of your cells, not just your bad ones. So he, we tried every single therapy. Um, other than chemotherapy, you know, in the very end, we finally had to resort to the chemo, but um, he did everything else, targeted radiation, you know, this, the, the resection, um, just about everything else. We even went to um, the chemo pill at the very end, which didn't go very well. But in 2014 was when they um, diagnosed his liver, which came from his stomach. So technically, it was still considered stomach cancer that that um, transferred to his liver. And at the very end, it just kind of um, spread everywhere. Thank you for sharing that. Sister, do you have a question about um, caring and caring for him during that time? Well, before I get to that question about caring, I, I just want to make sure I understand. So initially, the tumor that was found in his stomach was said to be benign. Mm -hmm. And so and he was getting regular checkups after mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. So I guess I'm, if it yeah. was benign, when did it become? Yeah, that's a good question. And, and I think probably, um, you know, thinking back, they probably were checking his stomach and the area that they thought, you know, maybe something could grow back and along the way missed that things had spread other places because they're really just cells, you know, cells mm -hmm. that go bad. And so, um, I don't know, somewhere along the way, they missed that they spread somewhere else and, and started multiplying as bad cells. Wow. So, I mean, one of the questions that I, I wanted to talk through and, you know, maybe I don't know if uh, you want to tell us more about, you know, sort of how how your your husband transitioned and, and things like that. But 
um i just want to in terms of being a caregiver the 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 feelings that you go through with the grief and of the loss but then the lift of the burden if you will where it's um because it's a lot and we're going to yeah. talk about even some of the health challenges that you you yeah. experienced as well yeah so <clears throat> in terms of being a caregiver you know hats off and and kudos to anyone who is a caregiver to someone with an illness um but i know sometimes when you're dealing with the grief um there's all kinds of of feelings that come with grief to include you know anger um and relief sometimes as you know if you're a caregiver that's caregiving even you know parents for children sometimes of course you're devastated that you lost your child but if you've been caring for a special needs child there's a sense of you know that burden that's lifted and you know i i think back to ike was a true warrior and a fighter and he you know he never wanted to be a burden so even when you know it was needed and, and he needed support he would you know like like be as strong as he could so he didn't feel like he was a burden or like that we had to care for him but at the very end you know he did need um caregiving and and it was not easy and you know um even our last trip home from the hospital we came home with everything that you would see probably like in a, a nursing facility or an elderly home like the wheelchair and the the bed you know the the bathroom for the bed the bedpan and oxygen tank and you know you know the the bathing stuff and um just everything to, and i was ready to like okay we're gonna do this you know like ready for the battle to to carry him through um and so and a, a lot of our life was consumed i i will say for my mother-in-law also you know like i she was here a lot helping me because it was a lot um and you know um there I took one last trip right before, literally like the week before, because um, things happened so fast at the very end, but she was here caring to make sure, you know, everything was okay with him. And so when you go through that initial shock and grief after losing your loved one, then there's kind of the sense of like relief and like freedom too, because like, what do you do now? Because your life was so consumed with caring for this loved one and all of the you know the stress and the burden that you had to to care and and you know keep this person alive so to speak um is now lifted um and in a sense you know i i like to believe that that your loved one is lifted and freed also because they know and i know i never wanted to be a burden or feel like a burden to anyone. And I'm not saying that anybody that you're caring for is a burden. He never was. Uh, but, you know, there is that sense of relief. So I, I, and that's normal. That's totally a normal part of the grieving process, you know? So I, for anyone who may be a caregiver and maybe feeling bad because you feel bad about it, like, oh God, you know, like, why do I feel like, okay, like I, 
you know, like a sense of relief and freedom when, you know, it's horrible because I don't have my loved one, uh, but it's totally a normal part of the grieving process. And it's okay. You know, <laughs> it's okay. There are lots of, you know, even people get mad at their loved one for leaving them and leaving them in the situations that they left them. And I can honestly say I was never mad at Ike. I, you know, I, I've been mad at God. I've been mad at, you know, the random stranger on the street that's living and Ike isn't, you know, like I have been angry at other people, but never him because I just, I, I, I don't feel like he, you know, I just didn't feel that way. But people do get mad at their loved ones um, mm -hmm. for leaving them as a single parent, for leaving them to pick up the pieces, for leaving them to try and figure out how they're going to pay the bills now. You know, that's all comes with it. Um, so um, be encouraged that, you know, if, if you are going a caregiver or experiencing loss, that it's it's all normal. And if you don't have a support group or someone that's been through and can, and can, can, you know, assure you that these feelings are all normal, then I definitely hope that you will seek one. And I have resources if you, you know, if you need some. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I got like all, all the supports. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, um, sister alluded to it. So in this process, so you, you, you know, you're newly married, you new family, you, mm -hmm. um, so even really before you get married, you kind of had this, um, mm -hmm. okay, this is benign, but then here we going on, things are moving yeah. forward and you're moving yeah. on with life. And um, so you're managing, you know, you're living, yeah. you're managing, working yeah. through um and then your head decides to explode so you tell us about your aneurysm because i think people yeah. are like wait a minute what what where's that how did that come into the story so tell us about your aneurysm and and then what that did because you you were still very much in um ice battle ice yeah. battle yeah so insane. Um, <laughs> so it really was just out of nowhere. And um, I'm working out one day at the gym. And then I boom, hear this pop in my head and stars. I go black and I'm like, oh, man, I really pushed it on that set. You know, my legs, they're like giving out on me. So I just, you know, gather myself, drink some water, finish up and go. And my head's like, pounding now. I'm like, oh my God, what's going on? So I just go, it's Valentine's Day on 2018. So I finish up, go get the kids and get home. And we're like, you know, I plan for us to go out to dinner or something. I'm like, yeah, I really need to eat because I'm starving. Because I'm thinking at this point, because my head hasn't stopped pounding. I'm like, I have a hunger headache. Then I'm thinking like, wait a minute, I've eaten today. I've drunk lots of water. Like there's no reason I should have this hunger headache. Then I, you know, I'm like, let's just order in or something because I just, my head is, I just can't. And so we order in, go through eating, get the kids in bed, and then we sit down and we're watching our show and, you know, snuggled on the couch. And I tell them like, is there like vessels that can pop in your brain or something? At this point, I know, not, you know, like, I'm not even thinking, I don't know anything about brain aneurysms. I, you know, anything like that. And I'm like, don't think I'm dumb, but there's vessels in your brain, right? And he's like, 
Yes. And I'm, and so I tell him what happened and I, again, super strong. And he always thinks I'm a hypochondriac and, and, you know, so I expected his response to be like, you're fine, you know, do X, Y, Z, everything will be all right. And he goes, do you want me to wake up the kids to take you to the ER? And I was like, no, don't wake up the kids, but I'll go. And then I'll, you know, like, I'll be all right. You know, I'll call you and let you know. And so I go and they do, you know, they just do um, a, a, a regular CAT scan. And then they're like, okay, you're fine. And I tell them all of these things, you know, which I now know are very much common signs of an aneurysm, a rupturing aneurysm, you know? So, and then I, and then, so they're sending me home and I'm like, can I, so the guy who's like, you know, the PA or something is about to send me home. And I'm like, well, did you look at all of my blood vessels? You made sure like none of them popped or anything. He goes, well, we don't see your blood vessels on that type of, on a CT scan. And I'm like, what do you mean? And he's, I said, that's what I'm concerned about. That's why I came here and told you all these things. And he's like, well, we have to do a different one. It's called a CT angio. And I'm like, okay, well, he's like, you want to do it? I'm like, of course, that's why I came here. So they do it. And of course they find an aneurysm there. And so it quickly went from going home to now they're doing like a spinal tap right away, emergency. And I'm like, oh God. So I call Ike and I'm like, um, this is what happened. So first I told him, you know, okay, I'm coming back home. And so he's like, all right. And by this time it's the middle of the night. And he's like, he, I'm like, don't wake up the kids. Just come. We live literally two minutes from the hospital. So I'm like, it's okay. Just come. And so people don't think we left our kids at home in the middle of the night. We did, but they were okay. <laughs> so um, he runs over and then he looks at me and mind you, he's in the middle of his. So he's like, one of us has to live for these kids. And I'm like, both of us have to live, you know? So he's already thinking like, and and so it's at the forefront of our brains, like, oh gosh, you know, what's happening here? So anyway, I get surgery, not that, not that night immediately, because they 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 you know checked and said there was no blood in my spinal, so um I would be okay. So I had to get with neuro neurosurgeon and everything. Um, but you know, that year uh or that time frame, I Ike was, it was 2018 and 2019, I would say was one of his worst years, like right after. Um, but so he was still battling during that time. But let me tell you when, and, you know, I think our bodies and, and God, and you know, um, knows, but during my time, like you would have never known that he, you know, like he was so like strong and healthy. It was just like, I don't know, miraculously, you know, like able to pick up and and just do for me because that's what was needed at the time and of course we had our family and and you know our support system but yeah so in the midst of that and you know um when i think at like when i just said angry at other people and 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 i am someone who I'm very empathetic and I love a good like overcoming story. And like when people, they, you know, they, 
they've won their cancer, their battle with cancer and things like that. And I get all emotional and I cry because I'm so happy for them. Like I found myself getting angry. <laughs> like, why? Why that person and not, you know, not Ike. But then I think to my situation and think like people could be thinking the same thing. Why? Because so many ruptured aneurysms occur because that person went home and thought it was just a headache and didn't ask the next question. And so, um, you know, I'm blessed to still be here for the kids and, and just, you know, glad that and feel ever so grateful that that wasn't my testimony that we were able to work through it. Now I do have a stent in my brain now, you know, but totally normal function, like, I'm still smart and you know, everything. like I'm, I'm okay. Smart, just in case y'all don't don't try me, right? <laughs> I'm okay. We 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 made it through. So but um, I think it's so powerful because I think it's the actress Sharon Stone who had an aneurysm. And I, I'll never forget this. And this has been several years ago, but she talked about she's like, if you ever have the worst headache that you've ever had in your life, go have them check you mm -hmm. don't leave until they know and so mm -hmm. i'm so glad that you asked that additional question mm -hmm. because that's what happens so many people they take mm -hmm. from what they're being told and and then they they walk away and it was mm -hmm. like well look i came here i described mm -hmm. all these symptoms to you and you don't do the test that you needed to do yeah. come on healthcare yeah. system exactly there's such a lack of education around aneurysms too um, because those are classic symptoms and mm -hmm. so um yeah educating the healthcare system getting more funding around the testing for it because it is um you know there it there are um it is hereditary too so being concerned with your um you know my daughter and my son i need to make sure that they're getting adequate testing as you know and yeah. and be aware there's just so much lack of education around it and you know um there are a lot of ruptured aneurysms i don't want to misquote the numbers right now but it's it's well, not i dropped something in the comments here i dropped um an article from the cleveland clinic and then also i just pulled it from their website about who gets aneurysms so you know i've had my brain checked several a few times because i have polycystic kidney disease and it, it's very common in people to have polycystic kidney disease to have brain aneurysms they don't know why but it is common so i've had um um, a MRI of my brain probably a couple of times thus far in my life, just mm -hmm. monitoring. Yeah. Just yeah. monitoring. So mm -hmm. read the, um, go to the Cleveland Clinic um, link that we have there, read some of those symptoms. But if you're a woman, it's a risk factor. Yes. If you're a woman. Minorities <laughs> also are higher. Risk factor, you know, mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. that the risk factors are mm -hmm. um, high. So yep. we have some comments here um, uh, saying, so glad that you insisted on added tests because if you hadn't, we don't know where this exactly. conversation could possibly be. So yes, you are a warrior, a fighter. Both of you all are. Healthcare system can really be a money machine, really have to slow down sometimes and care for the patient instead of just hitting numbers absolutely absolutely well that that's what's so interesting to me first of all i just want to fight all these folks because <laughs> they, they i they just i'm annoyed just they not, you would think that because it is uh, such a money machine 
that they would have been want to run all the tests, right? right. So that is so insane to me that they did not. But the ED is to get you in and out as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. Like the goals of certain parts of the hospital is different. True. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I get it. But this is just, wow. Like he said, thank God that you insisted and you took care of yourself and you were your own advocate. Because to your point, many of us, we mm-hmm. just take what the doctor said and just said, okay, well, I just have a bad headache. I'll go home. I'll take mm-hmm. some over-the-counter medicine mm-hmm. or something and, and lie down and, mm-hmm. you know. And don't yeah. wake up. You, don't I cannot wake up. tell you, like, how many people have reached out since who know someone who, um, you know, they just suddenly pass because they're ruptured brain injuries. Yeah. You know? And I think Sharon Stone said it, she she made it how she made it, but it was three days. Like she mm-hmm. said, if the, you know, she was laying there mm-hmm. and then someone had to like come and get her and then take mm-hmm. her because she was mm-hmm. alone when it happened. But she heard that pop, that mm-hmm. that like, like, mm-hmm. what, what's that sound? And then this mm-hmm. pain. And mm-hmm. then it was like, OK, well, I'm just going to go sit down. And then mm-hmm. it was like that three days before someone came to, to, her, to her home. And so. The fact that she even made it. Um, yeah. yeah. So yeah. look, uh, she said, I'm over here mad at that doctor. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I thank you for even t- mentioning the pop sound because I did mm-hmm. not know that, you know, mm-hmm. for I've always heard it's the worst headache you've ever had. And I'm like, well, how do you, I mean, it would take you having that headache to right. know, to know. <laughs> right. that you've yeah. ever had. So to know that, you know, maybe it, there's something else because mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of us have pretty bad headaches, especially yeah. people who suffer from migraines. So again, yeah. you don't know if this is the worst ever or not. Right. Um, but so thank you for that information. Mm-hmm. So one of the things we talked about, and as I said, I admired about you, it's like you all were living your best life. Like you all were living your best life all the time. And so, you know, you said, I gathered this strength and looked at you and was like, listen, hey, one of us going to be here. Like, so you all got busy living and cause you were taking the trips, you were doing the things. And even to the end, even when, um, when he was in a lot of pain, a lot of discomfort, um, and you knew the end was drawing near, you all did so much to, to just keep that family unit yeah. together. Tell us about how did you like say, no, we're going to live our best life. I'm going on a trip. I'm going with my line sisters. I'm going, I'm doing the things yeah. like we're yeah. living this life. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if we, it was ever like a, it was never like a discussion, so to speak. I feel like there was just the point of, you know, just the understanding that like, listen, nothing else matters. I can honestly say like after, really after 2018, it was like, seriously, like we're not sweating the small stuff. We, you know, even little disagreements, it's like, who cares? Like life is so much bigger, really, you know, trying to be present in the moment and really just, um, living all that we can for, for our kids and for us, you know, um, really just, just really eye opening that life can, is here and can be gone. And we're so very grateful that we have what we have right now in this moment and nothing else really matters. 
like literally nothing. So um, truly just enjoy what you have um, and enjoy it to the fullest um, because there will be that moment when it's completely different mm -hmm. and you don't know what or when or where, but it's that defining moment of this was life before and this is life after. So tell us about the kids. You have two beautiful children who are learning, um, who, yeah, tell us about the kids. I, I don't know. They, they, they're, they're absolutely gorgeous children they and they're bright and yeah. yeah. They're amazing. Um, they are now 13 and 11. Amaya is our oldest. She's 13 and Jesus helped us all <laughs> who have teenage girls. <laughs> Sorry, Demetria. No, you don't. Oh, but uh, and add the added layer of grief and trauma on top of it. Oh my gosh, send help fast. Okay, anyway, but she's still she's still an amazing human. Um, Amaya's 13, Isaiah is 11, and they're both, you know, super smart, super amazing. Let me tell you, their resilience is like no other. They were they 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 have struggled a lot this past year but and and part of this parenting journey as you know now a single mom a widow um has been very very difficult and i think part of it is because i feel like as a parent you want to do everything to make your kids better and you want to make sure that they are okay and you want to protect them as much as you can and unfortunately i can't like and the reality of that is hurts so much that's probably you know one of the biggest pains now because either they they don't they don't want to hurt you anymore and they know how much you hurt so they are doing everything they can to not put more of a burden or more hurt and more pain on you and that is like not a good feeling when you feel like your kids are trying to like have to push things down and not get their feelings out because they don't want to hurt you. Um, so, you know, I definitely have them in support groups and therapy and things like that because they need support and they need to have an outlet. Um, and I, I think um, I don't know if I, I don't think I've shared yet that they did not know any of this, any of the battles that, and that goes on to living our best life too. We just wanted our kids to have the best life without having to, you know, worry about what it means that daddy has cancer or, you know, that they didn't know I had the aneurysm. They knew that I had to go to the hospital because I had the surgery and they knew our family came from out of town, but they had no clue what happened. And they didn't know that I had cancer until literally like the last days until we could not tell them anymore. And actually, I don't even know if I wouldn't have to would have told them specifically that if they didn't absolutely ask because they're so freaking smart. Let me tell you, I felt like I was sitting in a doctor's office when I had to sit them down, which was one of the worst days ever. Also had to sit them down and tell them like condition of daddy. And, you know, he was at the hospital at this point and 
the medical questions that they asked me, <laughs> I was blown away, you know, prognosis and like, what's the percentage of people that pull through on this? And like, what exactly is happening? How did it happen? When, how long, you know, like, oh my good God. So um, yeah, like I said, I don't even know if I probably would have been so clear if, if they didn't push me to be so, so clear forthcoming, but they didn't know anything until the very end. And I think um, I feel, you know, like it was, the constant back and forth as to whether we would tell them or not. Ike never wanted anyone to feel sorry for him, never wanted anyone to think any less of him. So to them, they were his strong, you know, and they, he struggled year, you know, up and down. He had his up and downs when he was going through treatment, he had up and downs and they saw him sick and everything. And they just thought, you know, they thought Amaya is lactose intolerant and she would just always talk about, oh, daddy has the same stomach issues I have, you know, lactose intolerance. Mm -hmm. And then he had um, a lot of referred pain and um, in his shoulders and stuff. And so he would always, and so my son just, oh, daddy's shoulders are hurting him again, you know? And so they never knew or had to worry about losing him to cancer. They always saw him get sick and then get strong again. And like, and so even at the end, they just, you know, thought, okay, daddy will get strong again and come out again. We got some comments here. Um, so um, Lakeisha says she signed in late, and but she has two school friends who passed away from brain aneurysm. So she definitely has to rewatch. Um, Tita says, um, yes, being present in the moment is not a cliche. It is so true to master that even though the darkest times, it can help you breathe and not get too overwhelmed. We have also um, Amaya and her 240 questions. Um, but I think, you know, I think oftentimes we, we, you know, children are very bright and very intuitive and they know a lot more than we give them credit for because they're taking in information that we don't even know where yeah. they're taking it in from. Yeah. Um, yeah. So to know and knowing the little bit of them that I do, I'm, I'm not surprised that they probably didn't pull out a medical encyclopedia and start like asking oh, yeah. questions. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, um, sister, do you have a question? Um, I have a comment as well as a question. Um, the comment that I was making to Amanda earlier was our father lost his mother at the age of 12 and that, you know, it wasn't until I was much older that I started to recognize, uh, you know, what that meant or what that, how that, how much that really impacted mm -hmm. him. Because of course, mm -hmm. this is my parent, so mm -hmm. you don't you don't ever really think about your parents in the context of being children until mm -hmm. you're older and uh, things like that. And so, um, but, you know, his position on it, we've, we, we've heard more now that he's getting older. Um, and I think his own mortality is a part of the conversation. Mm -hmm. um, but his position has always been, but if that hadn't happened, the other things wouldn't have happened. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, he wouldn't have met our other and, and, and we wouldn't be here. Um, so I just wanted to ask um, first, you know, sort of how, how do you see these series of things and how does your faith play into that? Yeah. And then the other piece, because children, we we often think as, as people of color, as black people, we often feel like we're just super resilient. Mm -hmm. But, how, uh, you know, you have them going to counseling and in groups, how do you protect them from 
all of the other things that can continue to trigger that. that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So faith definitely a big part of our healing process. And um, I think where I am today, um, I honestly um, feel the probably the way your dad feels like if this didn't happen, um, and, and I think about this, a lot of things have happened in my life, and I've had a lot of experiences from being a child. And if those things didn't happen, I wouldn't be the amazing human that I am. You know, I am truly grateful for my experiences, as terrible as they are. Um, some of them are, because I have great experiences too. But, um, I, I think it really molds and shapes and, and really is where you're supposed to be. And I I'm a firm believer that all things are working for our good. Um, and, you know, God is already there and he, we're truly, I mean, it's his plan. We're truly just living it. I'm really just a vessel to his goodness and grace. You know, that's what my testimony is. And, and that's what it is as much as I am like, why God, why did I have to, why did it have to be this? Um, I may not see what the good in, is it in, I might not see the good in it right now, but I know that it's working for my good. And it's so funny because I I say that. And then my my best friend, who's my line sister, she recently asked me and I, I thought it was so interesting. She's like, um, OK, you know, I know all of, you know, everything works together for, for your good. Even Ike's death, you know, kind of like a, you know, like. Even including this, because it's, it's like the worst thing ever, you know? Um, and I'm like, yeah, there's no exclusions. Mm. Yes. Even wow. that, there are no exclusions. Um, so, and I'm a firm believer in that. And um, I, you know, we will continue to honor his legacy and, and make sure that that doesn't die. And, um, and I know he's still with us. I, there are so many signs, um, but you know, the loss is great. The physical loss is, is great and will never be replaced. But um, I know he's still with us and, and um, will continue to do great things to honor him. And so, um, that plays a big role and I appreciate my experiences. I, I really, really do. Um, and then you asked about the kids. Oh, and how I protect them. So honestly, I, I try and not by protecting them. I try and allow them to not be triggered, but not try and hide away from the triggers and let them go through because the grief is going to come, the triggers are going to come and let them know that it's safe and it's okay to, to experience those things. And um, it's not abnormal. And, and it's all part of our process. I, I feel like um, that's the best thing that I can do to protect them to let them know that they're safe and, um, and I'll do everything I can to make sure that they're okay. And I think that's the best thing I can do. Um, yeah. And I, I don't, because it's so hard to know what those triggers will be. It can really be anything. Like I've, ex, you know, the, the most random thing. And I'm like, you know, just a, a mess. So 
it, if I tried to, you know, like it, I, you never, you, you, you probably will never be able to. So we got some comments here. One says, amen, girl. <laughs> Another one, uh, it says, um, I agree. Everything prepares you for the next chapter in life. The Lord is good and his mercies endureth. And another says his plan is greater than all our comprehension. Um, and so, yeah, well, I wanted to, um, so I'm looking at you fly, beautiful woman. And like, this ain't what widowhood is supposed to look like. Right. <laughs> Uh, Tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> so I would love to hear, you know, if you could share with us about some of the support groups that you were able to find and really connect because there are, you know, what we think of the face of widowhood, we're usually thinking uh, uh, old gray hair, you know, um, but it, it, it looks different. I mean, the average age of a widow in the, this country is 54. Mm -hmm. And so wow. if that's the average, that tells you there's mm -hmm. a whole lot younger mm -hmm. and some old. So if we're at 54 is mm -hmm. in the middle. Mm -hmm. it, there's a lot of young widows out there. So tell mm -hmm. us about the support group and the help that you've received. Yeah. So I um, have in in just seeking out resources for my kids, I stumbled upon Modern Widows Club here in, um, it's actually nationwide, but it was actually founded here in Orlando. So we have a pretty strong um, Modern Widows Club here, and that has been very helpful to me. Um, and there are some that look like me, or, you know, if they don't, they, their experience may have been, like you said, average age 54. So when they were a little bit younger, and so they have that experience and have gone before me. And so being able to tap in and connect with them is very helpful. I also have, um, you know, the support group that my kids are in, they're in a grief support group, and obviously it's for kids. Um, so New Hope for Kids, they're amazing. They're here, local, and they're, they um, have, obviously, if they're kids there, the kids have parents or <laughs> grandparents that are raising them. So we have a separate parenting support group for the kids that are grieving. Um, so there I've been able to connect with a couple of um, young, like my age, widows, um, that have lost their spouses. And, uh, and um, I recently um, come across one that's actually, you know, ha our kids are the same age, 11 and 13. And so um, it's very helpful to be able to connect with individuals that know exactly what you're going through um, and, you know, just to support one another. Um, I also have my own individual therapist um, aside from the support groups, um, and I, physical therapy or physical activity has been a godsend for me. You know, I've always been pretty active, but I really um, honed in on my health and wellness um, because it's so so important. And again, I have to live for these kids. You know, like I mean, for me too, but 
more importantly for them. And so um, I run a lot and that is so cleansing for me. Like I cry a lot on my runs, one, because life is so beautiful and nature is so beautiful. And then it just has me thinking. And um, I think I mentioned the signs. I promise on my runs, I get so many signs and I know Ike is like running with me. And so it's, it's, it's good for me, the physical, um, being able to focus on my health and, and things like that. So yeah, a few support groups, therapy, and of course, of course, my village, like what I would, would do without them. I don't know, but, um, I have my sorority sisters, my sister girlfriends, my family friends, Ike's fraternity brothers. They're all still very supportive and active and um, have really carried us through. And I hope that they continue because you hear me, everybody, like continue to carry <laughs> us through because we still need help. <laughs> yeah. Well, I saw Jody put here, I call them waves. They come out mm -hmm. of nowhere. So you yes. have these, these, yes. these waves. Um, mm -hmm. I dropped some in the link. So if you need help or know someone, um, the modern, modern widows club .org mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. also new hope for kids .org. Mm -hmm. So those are resources that Amanda has found helpful here locally um, in the Orlando area, but I'm sure that if you reach out to them, they will be able to connect you in your community to a similar resource because mm -hmm. sometimes we just don't know where to look or where to go. Yeah. And so usually if we, you know, get one place, they can help, you know, tap us into the right place. Yeah. Um, another comment here that is such a blessing. Community is so important mm -hmm. and in community mm -hmm. is, um, you know, without having community, I mean, we are communal beings, you know, as human yes. beings. So yes. without community, where would we be? Yes. So um, you are writing a book and mm -hmm. it will be published this summer. So yes. coming to you this summer <laughs> is SOAR. And so yes. SOAR is an acronym. It stands for tr Strength, Overcoming, Acceptance, and Resilience. Tell mm -hmm. us a little bit about what we can expect in your your um, debut as an author. Uh <laughs> uh, pretty much from the beginning to now, my it's a memoir on my life. And so um, and it goes through like trauma and ACEs, adverse childhood experiences, um, resilience, grace, vulnerability, um, the grief and loss, all of it all in one. So um, it'll, you know, dive a little bit deeper into what we talked about today um, and a whole bunch of other stuff. <laughs> yeah, because even before you met Ike, you had a whole life. life. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you had a whole life. And yeah. so, I mean, you are, you're demonstrating soaring to us now. And I know on, um, like I said, this past Friday marked the first anniversary of his transition. And I mm -hmm. saw you all releasing your, your angels out mm -hmm. there. And then I saw you had to put the caveat for the, the trolls out there. These are biodegradable angels. So don't, <laughs> don't come, don't even come for me. Right. <laughs> And I laugh to myself, <laughs> uh, but you you started a foundation, so the Be Like Ike Foundation. Tell mm -hmm. us about the foundation and how you want to continue his legacy. So the foundation, Ike was a 
coach, um, an educator, a mentor. And so our foundation is supporting students, student athletes, coaches, educators through um, support, college funding. Um, there's a focus on health and wellness um, because, you know, it's important for us to have mind, body, spirit, physical, you know, wellness. So we um, have a health and wellness component that will be educating um, regarding everything wellness. And we are actually doing a kickoff celebration next Friday, not next Friday, the Friday after next Friday, the 17th. And we'll be giving our first college scholarship and coaches scholarship. I'm just have a heart for, you know, coaches and educators, they give out so much, you know, their family, you know, I mean, they give financially, um, emotionally, I mean, they give, give, give. Um, and so we definitely want to support them to continue to support them. Last uh, December at the um, at the All Star, the the um, the Orlando Sports Foundation, which is a foundation that um, gives back to battling cancer, specifically breast cancer, but all cancers. They actually gave a an award, um, a scholarship to a teacher in Ike's name. Um, and so after that, I was like, there's no reason we can't continue to do this, continue to support the teachers, the coaches. Um, and so I was like, let's keep doing it. And I, you know, was like, is it crazy to want to start a foundation? Do you think it's possible? And so here we are, we're starting, we're going, and I'm excited. You know, I've got, you know, the kids, everything, you know, is really centered around them and the lasting legacy. So they're all on board and they're excited. And it's really about, you know, them and, you know, I foresee them continuing um, forever and, and it just kind of growing from here. So we're excited The Be Like Ike Foundation and that kind of that mantra, the Be Like Ike mantra, really, you know, I'm so grateful um, to the, the um, author, I guess, I know they're not called authors, they're called something else, but they wrote a news article in the very beginning and it was like, be like Ike. Um, and so it just kind of stuck. And ever since then, it's been like our little mantra. And I'm like, well, and I was struggling, like, what do we call the foundation? And it just kind of naturally was like, be like Ike. That's what, you know, that's what it's all about. And so our values are centered around what he was all about, you know, being brave and bold and engaging and um, empowering and kind and um, loyal, um, all of those things. Absolutely. So everybody out here, so if you are watching this live or watching this in the replay, go to be like ikefoundation.org. It's ticking across the bottom here. Make a contribution. Um, contribute because we all know that um, yeah, there are the big foundations out there, the big 501c3s that do great work. But it's these small ones that really touch lives in, in, in a way that, you know, they, they're boots on the ground and they can yeah. immediately have so much impact in people who you see and touch every day, right? Yeah. So yeah. can I be just like our foundation.org. Go ahead. No donation is too large or too small. Okay. I wanted to also say, like, our, since you said that, uh, mentioned, like, you know, doing boots on the ground for our first thing that we wanted to do, too, aside from the scholarships, we're collecting um, 
like toilet donations for the Hope Lodge, which is at Moffitt Cancer Center. Um, and it's where families can stay, kind of like the Ronald McDonald House where families stay when they're undergoing, you know, surgery or something. If you're getting treatment at Moffitt, then you can stay at the Hope Lodge and families stay there. So we got their wish list. And so we're accepting some of those donations off their wish list so we can go take it to them. So that weekend, our family will travel to Tampa and go drop it off to the families there at the Hope Lodge. So. All right. Well, you all make sure you go like, follow, share, subscribe, share this episode with as many people as possible. And if you tell them, just go to the end, but you need to do the be like Ikefoundation.org. Um, people respond to text messages really fast. So just text five friends and say, hey, hey, get give $5 to this foundation because every dollar adds up and it makes a difference. So um, that that's my sales pitch and I'm, I'm going to wrap that. <laughs> but I'm going to keep the ticket going on the bottom. Sister, what would you like to say as we get prepared to close out tonight? Um, I know, um, you know, you know Amanda tangentially through me, but this is probably like the most you really actually heard her story and mm -hmm. the story of her family and her love story and her loss story. Uh, what do you want to say in closing or share with Amanda and anybody who's watching? Well, first, thank you. Um, again, I think, uh, so congratulations on your book. I wanted to talk mm -hmm. about it a little bit more, I'm sure, but this time it passed so quickly. Um, ho hopefully it's been a cathartic experience for you, um, in writing it. And, um, I'm sure it is going to definitely help a lot of people out and benefit, uh, be a benefit to a lot of people. And, yeah. And Angelia says that congratulations. Can't wait to read it. The book will help a lot of people. Yes. <laughs> and, 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 and similarly, I would say, um, the same as far as your foundation, the Be Like Ike Foundation. You know, I was recently having a conversation with one of my line sisters and I, because I, I don't have children. And so we were talking about legacy and leaving a legacy. And I was saying, you know, the work that I do in, in terms of writing the documentary that I'm working on, I see that as a part of me leaving a legacy. Absolutely. Since I don't have children. Absolutely. And it was interesting because she does have, have children. And she said, you know, I, I don't think we should see necessarily see our kids as our legacy because our kids, they don't necessarily want to do the things we want to do. And they don't necessarily have the same beliefs that we have. But to be able to create something in, in, you know, tangible in the sense of a book or in the sense of the Be Like Ike Foundation that your children can carry on for decades and generations to come, that is absolutely leaving a, a true legacy and ensuring that who your husband is Mm -hmm. continues to be known um, to, to others who may not have met him while he was in the physical form right. on this earth. So um, thank you for that. And thank you for sharing your story. Thank you. Thank you, thank right. you for allowing me to share. Yeah. Well, what do you want to say to folks in closing, um, Amanda, about about everything? I mean, you, you oh. touched on so much this <laughs> evening. I mean, you're so beautiful. Um, what, what you? What was, if you wanted to give people one or two key takeaways from tonight, what, what would you want it to be? Um, um, I think one of the big things for me is, is, um, 
that God is already there. So, you know, and I, I think I worry a lot about a lot of things <laughs> and uh, nothing surprises him. Um, so, and if you don't believe in God, then, you know, whatever your higher power is, you know, um, then, then um, I, you know, I think relate to your higher power. And I think that um, that definitely helps me. And then for those who have lost, um, they're still with you. And I, we didn't really get to touch on many of the signs, but oh my God, I see signs all the time. And I'm just like, okay, all right. Hey, dear. <laughs> you know, like, uh, one Tell time, us one. Tell us one. One's a good one. Okay. Mm -hmm. One is, well, first I have to preface it by saying this. Where we buried Ike is right by our house. It's at the cemetery in Claremont. And our, um, our, our funeral home is in Orlando, right? So they usually do Orlando funerals and they have doves that they release at the funeral, you know, at funerals. And so they told us, you know, oh, we'll release a dove. But then when they realize we're going to be in Claremont, they're like, oh, our doves can't go to Claremont. You know, like they don't, they won't find their way back. I'm like, who knew they had to find their way back? I thought you just released them. So that was something new to me. I'm like, oh no. So my line sister was trying so hard to get it because I really, I was like, that would be so beautiful, you know, to release the white dove. Okay. So we didn't get the white dove and it was like, okay, whatever. I want to say like five months, either five month or six month anniversary of his passing. The kids and I were out for the weekend. We come home. There's this beautiful white dove on our porch. And I'm like, oh my God. And so we walk up and usually we don't even see the porch because we pull right into the garage. So we're like, oh my God, beautiful white dove. And then, so we go up to it and then it doesn't even, it just like stands there and then it goes into the bushes and then just watches us. And it's just like there like oh my gosh and my son's like i wonder what the meaning of a white dove is and i'm like i know lovey i was like look it up and i was like and he's like i think it's dad it's definitely daddy and we're like yeah it's daddy so then he doesn't even leave he just like chills there and and you know we go in and we're like oh my gosh you know so then we go in and then later my son goes out he's like i'm just gonna go check and see if it's there and and then he comes back and he's like the dove left a white feather so that we know he's always here. And then so we have the little white feather on our on our thing. So that is one. It's like you just know that. And I'm like this, you know, he did not even leave. He's like, hey, guys, you know, <laughs> hi, I'm here, you know. So it was really beautiful. And, and the fact that they were like, what do white doves mean? And then so we talked about, you know, what white doves mean. And they were like, wow, you know, so. Yeah. So those signs all the time. Oh my. Okay. Got me choked <laughs> up a little bit here. <sighs> well, you did one thing. I, I, you were breathing before you start talking. So I'm like, <sighs> just take a deep, deep breath. Um, a couple comments here. A beautiful testimony, Amanda. Amanda, continue blessings to you and family on your amazing journey. Thank um, you. And then uh, thanks you, thanks you, Amanda, for the courage to share your story. Uh, you. Another comment. Um, thank you for sharing. So inspirational. And another comment. Literally, the same thing happened in a passing in our family. Mm -hmm. They do come back to us. They so. Do. For yeah, 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, I in, in closing, I want to say, everyone, you know, um, first, thank you, Amanda, for your transparency, <laughs> for your vulnerability. We made it through without needing the Kleenex. Woohoo! You <laughs> got it on deck. Yeah. <laughs> you know that last story was about to give me, but I was like, nope. We made it <laughs> yeah, just had to. Keep on breathing, right? Um, but thank you for sharing because I know that this will have a huge, huge impact on people. And you you said something earlier, like everyone is is having certain levels of trauma that they're dealing with. Um, I, you know, y'all know I like Kendrick Lamar's new album. Um, the first song on it is called United in Grief. Um, and he, you know, um, we're all grieving right mm -hmm. now. Like these last couple of years, I don't think we can, can we, we should not take for granted the impact yes. of these last two years. Yes. Um, and then the, just these repeated trauma on trauma on trauma on trauma where, where we're witnessing and we experience tangentially, but it doesn't matter because our brain is still like a, Yep. Um, feeling like we're being beat up. So for you to come on and share and, and show the resilience, show the vulnerability of what getting help and support, show such authentic love um, that you all shared, I think is going to touch and help so many people. So thank you for sharing it here with us mm -hmm. first. Can't wait for the book to come out so we can come have you back on to promote it and sell it and 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 continue to amplify because I, I know that this is going to make a difference in the lives of many. So thank you. Thank, thank you, you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the platform. You all are amazing. I love you, sisters. <laughs> we love you too, sister. So y'all hold the line and let's wave goodnight to everybody. Good night, everybody. Thanks for Bye. tuning in. Thank you.